0: What's up, everybody? Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in Uh, a little bit later than usual today because I had a lunch meeting, so appreciate your patience on all of that. I'm Casey Hendrickson. This is the SilverFoxArt.com studios. Remember to go to SilverFoxArt.com for all of your custom, unique wall art, logos, family photos, and so much more made out of wood. These are handcrafted with backlighting, three-dimensional designs, just an amazing service silverfoxart.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, silver.fox.art. All right, let's get into it. we got a lot to talk about. Dave Chappelle's attackers confirmed what we already knew, and they've actually spoken from their jail cell. In an exclusive jailhouse interview, Isaiah Lee told The Post that, the, that Chappelle should be more sensitive when it comes to the jokes that he cracks. I identify as bisexual, and I wanted him to know what he said was triggering That's what he said Saturday at the correctional facility in L.A. I wanted him to know that next time he should consider first running his material by people it could affect. Yeah, that's reasonable. So because you identify as bisexual and he cracks jokes um, about trans individuals, you feel it's okay to try and kill him. This is the society that we have created. This whole words are violence nonsense that's what we've created. Now, you're not allowed to hit somebody upside the head when they try to burn an American flag. You're not allowed to do that. But somebody who says something you don't like, you're allowed to try and stab them. I mean, it's a one-way street, of course, so you're not allowed to do that uh, if you're on the political right in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But if you're on the political left, you're totally allowed to do that. And by the way, um, (laughs) Dave Chappelle just gave some free comedy. He basically showed up at another comic show and um, gave them an opener that they didn't have to pay for, didn't charge them anything for. Of course, Dave Chappelle is considered one of the most successful comedians of all time, and he he goes up there, he he talks about this guy's this guy's weapon being a trans like a trans gun because it was a plastic gun with a real knife like embedded in it, <laughs> which has got people even more irritated. But it's it's one of the funniest jokes. Ever. It's a great joke. So, again, just confirming what we already knew. Next, let's talk about Joe Biden. Talk about Operation Fly Formula, which is a stupid name. Uh, So here's the, uh, the White House's tweet, in case you missed this. More infant formula is on the way. The first pallets from POTUS Operation Fly Formula are being loaded onto a military plane in Germany right now. The first plane lands in the U.S. tomorrow morning, with more coming soon. Now, when this got posted online... I think my reaction was pretty much the same as everybody else's. This is embarrassing. This is the United States of America, and we need other countries to help us. This is not a position that we're used to. Americans don't usually need help from outside. Uh, We did have some after 9-11, which was very appreciative. But again, it's not appreciated, I should say. Uh, It's not something that we're used to because we don't need anybody's help. We haven't in a very, very long time. And yet, we can't even... Feed our babies because of who's sitting in the White House right now. And yeah, it's his fault. We've been over this already. So, Steve Krakauer, official POTUS account, tweets, the U.S. is receiving 70,000 tons of baby formula. It's actually 70,000 pounds, so less than 40 tons. It's now deleted. Not before it was spread by various blue checks. Good thing the disinformation board was disbanded. So this is a Biden... Uh folks, I'm excited to tell you about the first flight from Operation Fly Formula is loaded up with more than 70,000 tons of infant formula and about to land in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, we were the state that was lucky enough to receive that first shipment again. Very embarrassing, but it wasn't 70,000 tons, it was 70,000 pounds. And the thing that, that makes this like extra bad is that I mean not only did they just get the numbers wrong, not only are we having to import baby formula because we don't have enough baby formula because, because of the FDA's nonsense with this Abbott facility in Sturgis. Beyond all of that, we are sitting here looking at this decrepit old man ruining our country, embarrassing us on an international stage, getting basic arithmetic wrong again because remember, they just had the oil lease screw up that they admitted a mathematical error was responsible for. Sure. They're telling you not to feed your own kids with, you know, generationally successful, successful uh, baby formulas that people have used for, you know, many, 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 many generations in their own families. Don't do that. It's all dangerous and everything else. And, you know, we just, we're, we're sitting here with all of this. They're deleting tweets. They're getting the numbers wrong. But beyond that, folks, the baby formula didn't even go to the shelves in a grocery store. They went to hospitals and clinics first. The baby formula that we have at the southern border could have easily been brought back. wasn't. But it didn't even go on the store shelves. And it wasn't a lot. I mean, they wish it was probably seven tons. Baby formula runs about $22 a pound on average. 70,000 pounds is about $1.5 million of formula. U.S. yearly formula purchases exceed $3.6 billion. So basically, what Biden has done is secured about four hours of domestic demand. Cool. Thanks for that. But at least, you know, Ukraine got its $40 billion. So this is another one of those things, right? When he released oil from the Strategic Oil Reserve, it was enough to run us for, you know, a couple of days, something like that. It's like, okay. You're not doing any good. You're not doing any good. Everything that he does is just this temporary failure. Everything. It's a temporary little band-aid that fails. Never. It, it, it's not, nothing about this guy. Nothing about him is positive. Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper's in trouble. He got COVID, and then he continued to tape his show anyway, making staffers mad. <laughs> uh, the Daily Beast. Trouble is brewing at CNN. Some staffers on the lead with Jake Tapper are seething about the host conduct following a COVID diagnosis earlier this month. <laughs> Once again, everything they accuse the right of doing, they themselves do, and everything that they believe contradicts another one of their beliefs. Without fail. They can't play by their own rules. That's, always, that's the third one. The leftists set the rules, but they can never play by their own rules. So here's Jake Tapper doing exactly what he's telling everybody else they're not supposed to be doing. No big surprise there. All right, I want to play you this. This is the this is a, a State Farm ad, um, and I've, I've got some interesting things that I want to talk about with State Farm because I don't think a lot of people understand how State Farm operates as a company. So I'm going to kind of just let you in on some of it, okay? So for those of you who don't know, State Farm Insurance has rolled out a... Um, Basically, they, they've been partnering with this trans propaganda thing that was pushing trans books on five-year-olds. Five-year-olds, of course, don't understand any of this. Anybody tells you otherwise has never been around five-year-olds. So I want to just play this for you just so you, you understand what's going on here.
1: State Farm tells us they're a good neighbor. But would a good neighbor target five-year-olds for conversations about sexual identity? That's what State Farm's doing. Asking employees to donate guides to being transgender to public schools. Books aimed at making kindergartners question their identity. It's textbook indoctrination. These books don't belong in elementary schools. And State Farm shouldn't be putting them there. Like a creepy neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: Okay. Like a creepy neighbor, State Farm is there. So emails leaked to Consumers First from Concerned State Farm employees show that the company engaged in the woke indoctrination of kids five five years old and older. Uh, State Farm partnered with the Gender Cool Project, which aims to have conversations with children about being transgender and non-binary. And again, at five years old, kids don't understand any of this. They haven't formulated their opinions about gender or sex or who they're attracted to or not. None of that is relevant. Um, and... The only reason you go after five-year-olds is because you're trying to groom them, period. That's all there is to it, okay? We've been over the science on this a million times. Any parent who has been around five-year-old kids will tell you the same thing. Uh, and again, if they're not, they're probably a predator themselves. So we get into you know some of the stuff that was in this book. And uh, State Farm's goal was to have 550 agents and employees nationwide donate a three-book bundle about being transgender, inclusive, and non-binary to their local teacher, community center, or library of their choice. Okay. So again, these are the books. supposed to go to five-year-olds. Five-year-olds ain't even reading this. So anyway, five-year-olds can't read this. <laughs> okay? The five-year-olds can't read this. Uh, the end of the books is simple. Woke indoctrination of children, the process which State Farm is actively engaged in. Maybe you're reading these words because it's time to have this discussion, right? Like a five-year-old can, can actually do that, okay? And even this is pushing it for five year, five-year-olds, all right? Even that's pushing it for five-year-olds. So uh, let's go over some of the stuff. Safe Farm, okay, it's fun to be asked, have you ever heard the word transgender before? Do you know what that means? And the answer for the vast majority of five-year-olds is no, because you don't talk about that stuff with a five-year-old because they're five. They're just five. That's it. They're just, they're five-year-olds. State Farm wants to confuse your children, saying just because a doctor says that you're a boy or girl doesn't actually make you a boy or a girl. Uh, I posted a meme about this yesterday where uh, the doctor doctor was being asked if it was a boy or a girl and said, ah, we'll just let the kindergarten teacher decide that later. (laughs) Uh, So Perfect. Um, and yeah, it's, this is just some of the stuff, you know, one day I looked up boy who feels like a girl and found stories of people who are just like me. Cause again, five-year-olds don't engage in this. This is not something that five-year-olds do at all. They go through more of it. Okay. So now what I, I feel like I, I need to tell you one, okay. State Farm is now they've severed their relationship with gender cool. So they are pulling away. And State Farm's public statement was, our agents were basically pissed, okay? Our agents were pissed. Now, for those of you who don't know, State Farm is not a company that has its own corporate branches all over the, the country. The people who operate your local State Farm, your neighbors, they're small business owners. Like, that's their franchise, okay? I have State Farm. I use State Farm. My agent is a conservative. I haven't talked to him about this yet, but I guarantee you he's pissed off. So I know that he's not alone because a lot of these agents, they don't buy into this at all. So don't see this as an opportunity to boycott State Farm. And again, State Farm basically they got the message. He said, our agents were upset. We've severed all ties with this with this group. We're not doing this. Okay, they screwed up. The corporate level screwed up. They did it on their own. The moment agents found out about it, employees and agents of State Farm put it out in the world to correct the behavior. Bravo. That is exactly what needs to happen at more organizations. But just so you're aware, just because corporate State Farm did this doesn't mean your local State Farm representative in your neighborhood is in line with that. Some of them probably are. Mine isn't. He's a fantastic agent. His entire team is amazing. Um, He's a regular listener of the show. He's fed me information that he has about about the city and stuff like that that kind of comes up. Super awesome guy, okay? And I am happy to be his customer. Yeah, I pay a little bit more, but I do get extra customer service. I tried doing some of the budget stuff, and I didn't really like how that worked. Um, And you know, I did budget stuff my entire life, really. And just never had good customer service. I've had fantastic customer service through him and State Farm. So I'm, I've been very happy with him. But the corporate State Farm screwed up here. And the people involved in their their organization across the country responded in kind. And now State Farm has corrected their behavior. And they're not partnered with this organization anymore. And they won't be doing trans activism to five-year-olds anymore. And this is the big thing. That everybody knows that a five-year-old doesn't understand any of this. A five-year-old isn't thinking about any of this at all. The only reason to present this information to a five, even to a 10 year old, like a five to a 10 year old is because you're trying to indoctrinate them and groom them. That is the only reason period, end of story. But I wanted you all to know that, you know, when you get into a situation where you see something like this, you got to take a step back and go, okay, um, is it really all of state farm or, you know, are maybe some of the small business owners who own the local branches of state farm going to be thrown under the bus here because of what corporate is doing that is out of their control. So just wanted you to be aware of that. Your local State Farm agent probably isn't in line with this. Maybe they are. Uh, It's certainly up to you to go ahead and figure that out because you don't have to get the State Farm agent that's nearest you. You can go find another State Farm agent, you know, somewhere in the community and still go through them and you still get the tools of the the national organization. So it's entirely up to you how you want to operate this. But I I can tell you personally, like, my agent, mm -mm, not going to be okay with this. Not at all. All right, so let's talk about the... The World Economic Forum at Davos. I'm going to play some clips here because I want you to understand just how serious the the fart sniffing is. Uh, for those of you who don't understand the fart sniffer reference, which yes, I said it uh, live on Tucker Carlson uh, when I called Colbert and others like Colbert fart sniffers. This is a reference to South Park. Okay, South Park did you know Smug Alert, and it was one of the best episodes ever. And, um, you know, family, one of the families moves to San Francisco and at San Francisco, the thing that they do in San Francisco is they fart into a martini glass and then they smell it. That's like their hoity-toity high society activity. So that's when I reference fart sniffers, I'm referencing liberal, rich lunatics who love the smell of their own farts. That's what I'm doing. And this first clip, I'm just letting you know, is really hard to hear. Uh, this is Klaus Schwab. This is him basically saying we're the elites of the world and we need to take control of the world and, and do what we think is best for the world and, you know, nobody else really matters. So you might have to crank up your volume in just a little bit, but I want you to listen to this. It's a short clip. These are all short clips, and then we'll go into more sound bites here from Davos. Let's
2: also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as... You here in this room, we have the means to improve the states of the world, but two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda.
0: On the global agenda. Okay. Um, look, I mean... He not only sounds like a Nazi in accent, he sounds like a Nazi. You know, the things that he says are very similar to what the Nazis were saying. Perfectly honest with you. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. You go back, you listen to some of the speeches the Nazis were given, not Hitler specifically, but go back and just listen to some of the speeches that the Nazis were, were giving. And, and it sounds a lot like this. We're the elite. We're the drivers of society. We have to do what's best for our society. Uh, not just for us, but for society. We have to do that because we are the elite. We're the ones that drive innovation and success. We do that. We're, the, we're the, the big bad wolf in the room. And that's exactly what this sounds like. I mean, the guy might as well just put a martini glass up to his butthole and farted into it and just, just smelled it. That's all this was. The future is being built by us, Schwab proclaimed, to a bunch of people who have not been delegated the power to build the future. Exactly. So, uh, yet here we are with the most arrogant, privileged people on Earth, once again, trying to tell everyone else what to do and to be sure they don't just use words. As two other speakers revealed, they are purposely crashing the system in order to reimagine it in a way that suits them. In short, they want you to suffer. So let's, let's take a look here. Again, another clip that's going to be a little bit low. During the World Economic Forum panel on the energy crisis, German Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck said countries should resist temptation to look after their own interests first. He said sustainability requires change to the rule of the markets. All right, let's 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 have a listen to this guy.
1: First of all, I would say that we have to stick to global markets. If we are now, and this is a tendency I feel everywhere in the world, also in my country as well, also in Europe, if we are now saying, okay, first of all, Germany and other countries are caring for themselves, then we will increase the crisis. If we are only caring for our own food supply, or energy supply, it must have a disastrous effect on the prices on the market. First of all, we have to keep the markets open. Second, we have to see that we have to solve one problem, not on the back of another one. So if we are now increasing the production of fossil fuels and coal, power plants all over the place. There's a drought in India, you mentioned it, we will definitely have uh, more problems in the next years to come. So we have to see that climate neutrality, the big issue of the conference 2020, um, so two years ago, it seems like ages, but two years ago, it's not gone. So we have to solve one problem with the solutions of the other problem, and third of all, when I mentioned open markets, I like to <coughs> stress out that the the roots of the markets they have to change. So it, the globalisation, I, I would. I think, deglobalization is a wrong phrase. We shouldn't admit to that. We have to stick that we have that we. Collaborate in one world and have some solidarity in the world, but therefore we have to change the rule of the markets as well. So these three things, I would say, are give an idea where we have to to heed to, and maybe this conference can um, also lead some ways into a more sustainable future.
0: Okay. I yeah um, lunacy, and you know you know what's interesting about this? This kind of came up. It passed the mic here last Friday. You know, when Americans stopped focusing on their household and their neighborhood and their state, things started getting bad. When they started just focusing on what was best for the country, their streets and their neighborhoods and their schools collapsed. The best way to prop up a nation is to take care of your own house. If you take care of your own house, then what you end up doing is creating, particularly in young people, creating the values that allow them to be successful in society. Hard work, determination, not sloth, you know, these sorts of things. Make your bed. I And I know I'm going to sound like Jordan Peterson here. Make your bed. and And we're all guilty of not doing this stuff all the time. I get it. But I'm just saying just from, you know, from the ground up, let's talk about it. Make your bed, fold your clothes, keep the house clean, right? Basic stuff. Take care of your yard, maintain your home, maintain your cars. If you do that, your home will be a happy place, right? If you do that, your vehicles will be able to get you to work. When you get to work, take care of your duties. Do what's required of you at work. Do a good job. Take pride in your work, no matter how remedial you think that work is. And guess what? You'll start becoming more successful, And as you become more successful, again, apply those values that you built up now into your new duties. Next thing you know, your company is better, right? If everybody's doing this, your company is better. You got quality employees, you got quality management, quality leadership. All of that leads to quality ideas for new products for, for the market. And the people who are going to consume those products have their house in order. Little debt, you know, just money management, basic things like that, which allow them to spend more, have discretionary income. This improves quality of life, your ability to have nice things, to live comfortably, to go on vacation. You know, all of these experiences enhance your own personal life. But it's this, it's almost like a trickle-up effect, dare I say it. It's almost like a triple-up effect. If your house is in order, that's the seed, that's the root of the tree of the rest of your life. If your house is in order, everything else starts to fall in place. When everybody is in that position, then everybody on your street is in a better position. You got a good street then your neighborhood, right? Then your city, then your county, then your state. And then if everybody in every state is doing the same thing, suddenly you've got a really good country, right? Your country's foundation. We used to do things like that in the United States. You took care of your own property, took care of your own family, took care of your own problems. And when everybody did that, when everybody did that, the country as a whole was better off. When your neighbor needed help, you, you were able to provide that help because you were in a good way. And we got away from that after the Civil War. And I understand the reasons behind that, but we got away from that after the Civil War. And it all became about, hey, you know, uh, forget about state identity. Forget about your local identity and your local pride and all that stuff. It's got to be about the country now. And we built this, this amazing country as a result. The problem is, is that as time, happened, time marched on, uh, the pride in our local selves has eroded in favor of the national self. And then we basically ceded authority to the national. Instead of just taking care of our own house, which is our city, our state, we just ceded that to the federal government. When are you going to take care of us? Right? We see this every election cycle. What has our senator done for our state? Well, your senator is not there to do that. We got people who didn't focus on school boards. We got people who didn't focus on on local local elections for, you know, commissions and counties, uh, councils and stuff like that. Then they didn't focus on their state elections and they're only focusing on Senate and presidential elections and maybe the house races and you know, next thing you know, you're just you're disconnected from what's even happening in your own neighborhood. Look at Baltimore for crying out loud, Baltimore. All of those years without cleaning up the streets of Baltimore, just electing politicians after pol- all Democrats, obviously, but um, it, this happens everywhere, regardless of party. Just constantly electing people who promise to do stuff. They promise to go to Washington D.C. and bring more money and resources back from D.C., which will help us here. Well, just take care of it yourself. So we've gone from focusing on local to focusing on federal. But if you focus on local, federal is taken care of. But when you focus on federal to take care of the local, it never gets done. And this dingus here, who, by the way, is talking about, you know, man-made global warming, which doesn't exist. He's talking about green energy. He's in Germany. Green energy is a massive failure in Germany. And he wants more of it. He talked about a a drought in India as if somehow human beings are responsible for that. Got news for you. It's India. There are droughts in India. It's been a thing in India from the beginning of time. If only India had the technology to tap into the massive water resources that they had, which exists, the technology exists, then you have to worry about some of that stuff. But this guy wants, not not just on a national level, but on an international level. He wants the international community. He wants you to give up taking care of your own home. And he wants you to give your resources to the international community. Trump warned against this when it came to like COVID and and the vaccine. He's like, well, we made the vaccine, so we're going to use it on Americans first. And the global community was pissed off. Too bad. You didn't invent the vaccine. So they wanted Americans to die. And we're not getting into vaccine science here. I'm just saying the the arguments at the time before we knew what the vaccine was. They wanted Americans to die so that way he could just send doses to these other countries who didn't have a vaccine. And his position was, no, we're going to take care of our people first, and then, then we'll take care of the rest of you. Kind of like being on an airplane. When the airplane goes down, you put your mask on first, then you put the mask on to the person next to you because you're no good to them if you pass out. And they want the exact opposite done, which we know doesn't work. Now, keep in mind, you just had this douche talking about, we're the elites. We're the ones building the future. This guy's talking about a one world government, basically. Who do you think, who do you think they think picks that one world government? <laughs> who do you think they think controls that government? I don't know, maybe them. Speaking about small and medium businesses in Davos, a Norwegian finance CEO, uh, uh Brothen says that energy transition will create energy shortages and inflationary pressures, but the pain is worth it. Oh, really? All right, let's take a look.
1: We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will, uh, will open up for missteps. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures, and maybe we need to start talking about that. That that pain is actually worth it, because if we don't, uh, there's no business yeah, case, okay. there's no economy, there's there's no welfare. But but so far, I think we are have been a little bit careful actually talking about the pain in the short term that is likely to come from from, the, from this the changes, very important yeah. change. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, basically what she just said is, I hate, I hate uh, poor black people in Africa and I want them to die. That's basically what she just said. The other thing that she said that most of you heard is that, yeah, we're going to transition to green energy and it's going to cause massive energy problems and you're not going to have power in your house and stuff like that, but it's totally going to be worth it. Okay, Green energy is a massive failure at this point in time. Every country that has gone green energy has problems, every single one of them. The only way forward right now is nuclear, guys. That's just That's all there is to it. These mini reactors that are being developed... Um, are probably going to be the thing that saves humanity. There is a report out today, we'll talk about it on the radio show, massive, massive surge of electric vehicle registrations throughout the country for electric grids that already can't support any kind of of population throughout the summer. California is roaming blackouts and, and brownouts every single summer, okay? We just did a whole report multiple Midwestern energy companies for the first time are concerned that they do not have the kilowatts to be able to manage, manage power, and they're probably going to have some brownouts and blackouts in the Midwest this year. Now, you throw on top of that, as I've been saying for months, you throw on top of that electric vehicles, which are a further drain on the grid. This is where I, I keep telling you, pay very, very close attention to this. They want to drive up the price of gas, this is something that they openly admitted in the Obama era, routinely prominent Democrats would say, high price of gas is good because now you'll drive less. That's great. Take public transportation. You don't have to worry about it. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Now you got Pete Buttigieg out there. Go buy an electric car that you can't afford. Then you don't have to worry about it because as if energy prices aren't increasing, right? I mean, you just heard her say it. Prices are going to go up. We're going to have some, some grid problems. And then eventually what's going to happen is they're going to shut off your car and they're not going to let you drive your car on certain days of the week and you're going to be forced to use public transportation and get you out of your car just as this minister in Luxembourg just proposed to the EU. He wants people to not be able to drive their car two days a week. So you're not allowed to go to work two days a week. You have to work from home. And then you cannot drive your vehicle at all on the weekends. That's what Luxembourg proposed. As a real thing, look it up. We did it, uh, I think, last week on the show. The radio show. Not this show, but the radio show. The goal is to get you out of your vehicle. The goal is to get you into mass transit. The goal is to get you to sacrifice your independence. That is the goal. And they want to control that. This is as bad as you thought it was. So, I mean, this is just day one stuff, obviously. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, they detained Jack Posobiec, <laughs> uh, they detained him for like an hour. And luckily, uh, another, another journalist came up and harassed them enough that they were like, okay, fine, we'll leave. But they detained, him. I'm sure you're all aware of this by now. He gave a 19 minute thing on what happened. Um, but Savannah Hernandez is the reporter who basically got in the face of the, the police and were harassing them. And, uh. They were telling her not to record and everything else, and she's like, no, I'm going to keep recording. And by the way, in Switzerland, it is against the law to record somebody, even in public, against their will. It's not here, but it is there. But she she stood her ground. She did what she was supposed to do. Good for her. But again, this is, <laughs> this is what they do, right? He's there. He had press credentials and everything else. He just didn't have World Economic Forum press credentials. That's what they were saying. you were approved to be, you know, in the press, just not approved by the World Economic Forum uh, for media, which is obviously asinine and stupid. But that's what they tried to say. Pay attention to this stuff. And I know that the World Economic Forum comes up every year, and uh, we're always, you know, talking about it. But you know, this is it's 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 messed up stuff. We got more on this too on the radio show today. Now let's look at the World Health Organization. I mean. World Health Organization, Davos, basically the same thing. Um, so the pandemic treaty that they're they're hashing out right now. We went over some of this last week. I didn't do nearly as long of a show as I wanted to on it, but everybody else is talking about it, so I guess I'll probably be okay. Um, the big concerns were the sorry, the hiccups were the the amendments that Joe Biden proposed. Those are the amendments that would have sacrificed American sovereignty. And again, the United States of America, for those of you who missed it, you know we have the Supremacy Clause, and that Supremacy Clause gives us um, tremendous power and weight and everything else. The problem is that when we sign on to this treaty, if this thing passes as it's being discussed and debated right now, we sign on to it. Um, if we don't go along with the World Health Organization declaring an emergency in our country or whatever it is, and that emergency could be anything. That emergency could be, oh, I don't know, gun crime or racism. Think about what could potentially be used. We've heard the World Health Organization use terms like this. You know, gun crime in the U.S. is an epidemic. No, it isn't. Racism in the U.S. is an epidemic. No, it isn't. But they will use those things. And then, of course, we don't go along with it because we're a signatory of the the treaty sanctions. Get it? Now, again, we're in a unique position. We're the United States of America. Uh, we've got power, we've got influence, we've got wealth, you know, we can tell the WHO to pound sand. Nobody else can do that. We're basically the only people who can do that. Okay. So depends on who the president at the time would be and whether or not they'd adhere to the WHO nonsense, but is it going to be a Trump or is it going to be a Biden? We don't know. So the draft treaty places the WHO at the center and solidifies the WHO as the directing and coordinating authority on international health and gives it sweeping, legally binding powers to force member states to adopt many of the censorship and surveillance tools that were imposed during the COVID pandemic. Now, some of the stuff that's in here is this is where you're starting getting surveillance society stuff, okay? U.S. Postal Service is doing a whole... Um, biometric data gathering campaign right now that they're going to make available to all agencies and the government and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, we'll talk about all that in radio show today. In the draft treaty, which is being debated now through the 28th for the vote, international vaccine passports and contact tracing. Member states, meaning any nation of the 194 who signs onto this treaty, will be required to support the development of standards for producing a digital version of the International Certificate of Vaccination and Prophylaxis. Okay? This is basically the WHO's vaccine passport. So all countries are going to have to have a uniform standard that is internationally compatible. There's basically going to be, like, international IDs now. The WHO will also develop norms and standards for digital technology applications relevant to international travel, such as contact tracing apps and digital health forms. What could go wrong? What could go wrong with the international community having all of this data on you? The WHO will also conduct coordinated global surveillance of public health threats, and member states will be required to build out their surveillance systems to work With the WHO's global system of surveillance. Non state actors, which could include big tech companies, will also be required to work with governments, the WHO, and other international partners to leverage their considerable data to create the strongest possible early warning and response system. Okay, global surveillance. Global surveillance from the WHO, who is bought and paid for by China. China has universal surveillance in their country with a social credit score. What could go wrong? Great reset, folks. Great reset. Addressing misinformation, disinformation, and too much information. Oh, God forbid. God forbid you have too much information, guys. The draft treaty pushes national and global coordinated actions to address the misinformation, disinformation, and stigmatization that undermine public health, such as telling people that, you know, ivermectin works, which it does, hydroxychloroquine works, which it does, personally used it myself, and all of these other treatment methods that are effective, and just pretending that they didn't exist. Remember, the WHO is basically as responsible for the pandemic as China, The WHO knew in December of 2019 that this virus spread from person to person, yet all the way through the middle of January 2020 told you it couldn't while China allowed international flights. The WHO did that, and they think that they should control global pandemic response. Always remember that. They're responsible for the pandemic. Member states will also be required to strengthen their approaches to infodemic Management, a term coined by the WHO that refers to too much information, including false or misleading information in digital and physical environments during a disease outbreak. A perfect example of what this is, is when the CDC finally got it right after doctors had been writing the CDC and saying, hey, look, COVID is airborne. It's time that you tell everybody that COVID is airborne. And the CDC said, all right, you're correct. The CDC published data on the CDC website that COVID was an airborne virus. The World Health Organization called the CDC, and then within 24 hours, the CDC pulled that information down from their website. So the CDC deemed that too much information. Why? Because everybody knows an airborne virus cannot be filtered with a mask. Your cloth mask, your surgical mask doesn't mean anything, won't work, period. And the WHO wanted people to keep wearing masks. So they told the CDC to pull down that information, and we still got a bunch of Trishes and Karen's running around telling you to wear a mask, even though it doesn't work. Additionally, non-state actors will be required to act, will be required to actors to work with governments to fight disinformation. Okay. So then we look at the funding here. Uh, WHO members are set to collectively pay the WHO over $950 million in dues for the 2022-2023 and already paid over 270 million in voluntary contributions for 2020 to 2021. This draft treaty proposes that G7 countries Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, UK, and US also pay 11 billion for the Access to COVID 19 Tools Accelerator. Additionally, it intends to create an international pandemic financing facility that will extract long term 10 to 15 year contributions. Of five to ten billion dollars per year. There was a, a monumental dingus in Forbes who wrote an article, and I think that it's the guy probably works for China, but I don't know. Um, he wrote an article on how uh, the WHO's budget is like not even that big, and WHO's budget is bigger than most countries. But I digress. But now. You know, we're we're getting to a point here where they want G seven countries to pay eleven billion dollars, and then they want annual payments of five to ten billion per year. Nice budget. Nice budget. So you can read a draft of the treaty um, here. Here, let me go ahead. Here's what I'm going to do. For those of you on Rumble. There's the treaty, and I'll put it in the comment section below. There's the treaty. All right, so if you want to go read the treaty, it's all right there, okay? You can go take a look at it right now if you want to. But, again, this is the draft. They're all negotiating all of this stuff and everything else. So, And remember, this is a legally binding agreement. This is not just a, oh, yeah, we're going to give you lip service. This is a legally binding agreement that has repercussions. So pay attention to that. People who tell you that this isn't going to be, you know a, a bad thing, that there isn't any risk involved are lying to you or they don't know. I assume that they're just not they're just not being honest. All right. So again, pay very, very close attention to this. It is as bad as you thought. We have a lot more today on the radio show, but before we go, I'm a little bit late, so I'm going to cut this a little short. Before we go, I got to remind you of two things that I got coming up. One, uh, I got the 2022 Lincoln Day Dinner for the St. Joseph County GOP. And of course, our guest, our special, special, special guest, this is super, super awesome, is Representative Jim Jordan. So, Representative Jordan is going to be coming to town. He's the keynote speaker. I will be the MC for the event this year. I normally am, wasn't able to be last year. So, hopefully, uh, if you are able, make sure you make it out to the Lincoln Day Dinner. And again, this is just coming up here this weekend, so you can still get your tickets at gopsjc.com. For veterans, I've got another event coming up on June fourth. This is for this is for Freedom System. This is a local veteran organization. Great group of people. Uh, super stoked. Done events for them in the past, and definitely would love would love to have you guys out here as well. So again, you can get a person, you can get a table, a couple, whatever you really want. Um, got all of your meal choices. You know, carnivore, or vegetarian. It's up to you. And I'll be giving a little speech there. But you know, this is a this is a good local veteran organization. A lot of people are asking me about, you know, what what veteran organization can I support? This local Freedom System is a great option, and they they do their best to feed you know homeless vets. They also uh, deal with you know, veteran suicide and and that sort of stuff. So again, June 4th, just 11 days away. We've got that, and then, of course, this weekend we've got Representative Jim Jordan coming to town with the St. Joseph County GOP. I will be emceeing that event. I'll be the keynote speaker at this event, and I certainly hope that you will all be there, okay? So it would be great to have you all there. Tons of other stuff coming up as well, but uh, it's it's the beginning of summer, and things get a little hectic and super busy for me. I keep telling myself that I'm going to try and slow down in the summertime, but it just never seems to really work out. Uh, Niles Burn Run Ride is coming up. I'll be involved in that as well. So, lots of lots of events. And if you ride your motorcycle, you'll be able to hang out with me on some of those as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got to roll. De- definitely uh, tune in here at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. We'll have the radio show from 953 MNC going from 3 until 6 p.m. And don't forget, you can follow me on Truth Social because Truth Social is now available for anybody. All you have to do is go to truthsocial.com, sign up, follow me at Casey the Host on Truth Social, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.